You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those people who lived well and died well in their own time, those who rose to the challenges of that time in which they chose to be here. I call out to those ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral line, to these ancestral helping spirits. And I ask them to be with us all here today to help each one of us living here in this time we have chosen to be in. I ask those ancestors to be with us that we might meet the challenges of that time in a good way, carrying forward those things that help human beings be the best version they can possibly be. And to help us to understand those things of our time that need to be innovated, need to be changed, need to be created, need to be brought forward in a way that is different from the way it has been in the past. Help us to heal from those mistakes made in the past. Help us to be the people that can be the medicine for those mistakes. And help us to be those people who can apply that medicine in the world in a way that our children do not need to live with the same problems. I ask the ancestors to come and help us to do that. Help us to do the work of the living so that we create a different world for those who are coming. One that allows them to be here to receive what it is they need to truly bring their gifts to the world. And as the human ancestors gather around us to do that, I ask us all to reach beyond those humans to those energies that have been here much longer and will be here after the last human is gone. I call out to those energies of this earth that we share life with, and I ask those ancestral helping spirits to be with us as well. Help us to surrender to our own true nature, to understand the true beauty that human beings bring to the great web of life. Help us do less of that which is not beautiful and do more of that which brings beauty. And we ask these non-human helping spirits to help us to understand what is not only necessary but sufficient to restore balance here in the way human beings impact the entire web of life. And I ask these ancestral helping spirits to be with us as well. And so as these ancestors gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be, scattered about hither and thither, multitasking and doing all the many things human beings try to do simultaneously these days, and let's stop. Let's just do one thing for a minute and draw ourselves from wherever we are into our mind, from our mind to our heart, and from our heart let us reach deep into our belly. Let us appreciate the fact that we have chosen to be here now in a body and take a moment and give thanks to the earth for this day. Thanks for this opportunity to be alive in an environment of such diversity, such challenge, and also such opportunity. We give gratitude to the earth for the wonder and generosity in her dreaming that allows us to change anything as long as we are still breathing. And we give gratitude for the awe of life itself and ask that each one of us do just a bit more to be a champion for that energy of life. And as we send our energy down through the layers of the earth and let our gratitude for this amazing experience called being alive, letting that gratitude flow out into the earth layer by layer as we extend our energy down to the center, let us reach into the center and open our awareness to those powers that draw their strength from darkness, from stillness, from silence, from peace, from simply being. And let us reach into that energy that is the energy before all of the abundance that we enjoy, all of the abundance that we keeps us alive here on earth, all of that energy that rises up even into us. Let us touch into that energy before it is those things that we value. 
and value it for simply what it is, that which refreshes, rejuvenates, restores, and replenishes. And let us reach into that energy and draw it up into our life, drawing in that quality of nourishment, drawing up the wisdom of manifestation and ask this energy to help us to understand how to be here in form in a good way and perhaps just a bit better than yesterday. And from this energy of the earth, help us all to understand how to be grounded in our bodies, in this world, on this planet, to know what we stand for and to build a sense of our home, our life, our belonging from those things that have heart and meaning. And to open ourselves to see and recognize in others those who share that same heart and meaning, though they may say it differently in another language, in another way. Let us recognize ourselves as brothers and sisters of the same human family and open our table to the other, open our minds to the other, and open our hearts to the other, to those who think and speak differently than we do and may dialogue ensue heartfelt open dialogue ensue that inspires all of us to become better versions of ourselves. and as we draw on this earth energy let us come into better relationship with all aspects of ourself better relationship with our environment better relationship with the other living things here on the planet and better relationship with the invisible world and may we practice each day stepping into the oneness of all things, taking a moment to slip into that great web of life and know our place within that oneness. And let us draw this energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and reach up and out the top of our head, out into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever name you call it, however you conceive of it, however it is that you connect with it, to reach up to these radiant energies from above. And we call this energy in, drawing it into ourselves, drawing it into our day, drawing it into these proceedings. In this way, we call in the essence energy of blessing into our lives, into the world. We call in the energy of protection and devotion and commitment. And we reach up and open and draw in the benevolence of this universe. We call in that beneficent energy and ask for inspiration and illumination along the way. May we learn to see in our own darkness. May we find ourselves when we are lost. We call these energies in to help us in these very human moments and draw the sky energy down from our heads to our heart and our hearts to our belly. And we send that energy from above all the way down to the center of the earth so that these two great legendary lovers, the earth and sky can come together within us and in that big love awaken the spirit of our own heart. May we go through this heart with our heart awakened and alive, not numbed out, by all that is around us, but awakened and alive and ready to engage in the world today. And let that heart awaken that crucible of transformation that exists in every human heart. And we call up that fiery passion in the belly and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind. And we bring these energies so very different in their nature together in our heart where they may mix and merge and dance in this dynamic tension that gives birth to this third and most sacred thing that each one of us carries which is some sense, some memory, some understanding, some image, some connection to why it is that we are here. And may you reach into that human heart and find courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your soul's purpose into manifestation and give your gifts to the world. And for all of the assistance that we have to do this coming out of the invisible world, I give enormous gratitude. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And so I'd like to give gratitude to Learned and Linnea, to Marcella, Christina, Amy, Catherine, Evie, Susan, Teresa, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. The show is listener supported. So if this show moves you in any way, even if it moves you to frustration and distraction, um, understand you've been moved in the heart. And please do that most fundamental of shamanic acts, which is to allow that which moves your heart that has meaning and purpose in your life to motivate your actions in the world. And if you're not able to donate financially to the show, please consider what you could do that would help the show to grow, um, to be shared more widely 
amongst your friends and those who are in need um, to bring the teachings more deeply into your own life, wrestle with them a bit more intimately, um, to shape questions that others might be trying to shape but can't quite get there, and to offer up um, show ideas that would help you in your application of shamanic principles and practices to your contemporary life. So whatever you can do to help the show to grow, I deeply appreciate all of it. It is not just about finances, though they are necessary to keep the show free and the archives free and on the air for everyone. So for those of you that download through iTunes, know that you can also go to whyshamanismnow.com for the archives as well as co-creatornetwork.com for the archives. So there are many places you can connect with the shows and download them. Um, with that said, the easiest way to make a donation is to go to whyshamanismnow.com, hit support, scroll down, and donate any amount, large or small. We are happy for all of it. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you're uncomfortable with that level of technology, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. And thank you, everyone, um, for all that you do um, to help me to make the show possible. We are live today, so if you have any questions about today's topic, which is resiliency, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me, as always, at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And if you're wondering about access to classes and trainings, you can go to lastmaskcenter.org and look at the calendar, and you can see what's going on here in the fall. The classroom here is very small, so if you are interested in the classes, please do register now. Okay, so last week, um, I offered a show up here on an idea that I've been observing, I think, for the last bunch of months, which is this evolution of... um, a kind of person who is a highly skilled um, adult yet still operating out of a wounded child place. And I talked about that in last week's show. And um, it inspired a lot of response. It's interesting what shows inspire immediate response and others that don't. I never really do guess very well who's what's going to hit a chord. Um, But in this show, I asked the question um, of us as practitioners and of those of us who seek help from practitioners. You know, I consider myself both, right? Um, But I asked, you know, are we protecting people from their own woundedness by giving them ways to clear the upset of the moment that do not necessarily also guide the person on the journey to discover why they were upset in the first place? Um, this this uh, idea came out of my noticing how just like um, narcissist, which is, was a technical diagnosis, is now being used in general conversation to describe what you didn't like about your last partner. In the same way, PTSD, which describes a very strong um, sort of illness state after deep trauma is being used to describe simply – Um, kind of a low level what I would just call being triggered by things and not really recognizing or respecting the distinction in that but also at the same time in a very well well intended effort to get people out of trauma um, or or repeat repeated reflection of a trauma that we may also be diverting them from dealing with it so this is what the show was about last week And I'm really wondering, you know, are we distracting people from the path necessary to bring true compassion and sensitivity to their own deep woundedness in a way that allows that wound to fundamentally transform? All wounds can heal, but we need to be willing to apply the correct medicine. They won't heal just because we want them to. They won't heal necessarily over time and they won't heal if we apply the wrong medicine to them. That wounds define their own medicine and we have to be willing to go there. So in our rush to get people out of discomfort, are we sweeping away the breadcrumbs um, of that inner life that would lead us to the inner selves that need that healing and that true deep transformation? You know, there is a reason that the spirits need the shaman 
And there, I mean, there's an obvious reason the shaman needs the spirits because if you, if you truly understand shamanic healing, the shaman has nothing to offer without the connection to the spirit world because the shaman, shaman becomes a means by which the spirit world is able to move through and directly impact the human manifest world. They are effectively the mouth, the hands, the feet, basically for spirit in traditional shamanic healing. So obviously, it, it's obvious why the shaman needs the spirits, but what people rarely think about is why do the helping spirits and all of their power and capacity need the shaman? And what we don't think about is that the shaman actually brings the humanity, not the psychology, but the humanity to the dynamic based on the simple fact that human beings all suffer in the same ways. And so the shaman then brings the humanity, which involves the empathy and the sensitivity and the intuition. Um, that's all calibrated through a human body. And this allows, in a sense, raw spirit force then to be directed in a way that interfaces with the human being. Because the helping spirits are here all the time. They'd be happy to help us all the time. And yet for certain kinds of medicine, for certain kinds of wounds, there needs to be the interface between the human in need and the spirit energy that's wanting to help, which is the shaman, the, the other human in between. And so, you know, there, there, there is a piece that the shaman brings to that dynamic. And part of what comes out of that humanity is that ability to track the energies, to follow those breadcrumbs of another human being's suffering simply because we're human and we have also suffered and it doesn't really matter who suffers more that that is a, a ill-informed conversation what matters is the recognition of how humans suffer and that humans are suffering and from a shamanic perspective that there is a path out if we are willing to walk it and that's the value of an initiated shaman is they have been forced to walk their own path out. And in so doing can then shed a certain kind of light on discovering the path with someone else. Not for someone else but with someone else. So in a shamanic healing session the helping spirits take the shaman into the forest of the other person. But it's the shaman that must track the breadcrumbs in the forest. Track the scent of that answer to whatever the question is being posed by that um, individual's woundedness. So when we clear the, the discomfort of that woundedness, we sweep away those breadcrumbs in the forest. And um, so I, I acknowledge completely and acknowledged in last week's show that it's possible the person needs to sweep away those breadcrumbs to be able to function at all, granted. But if we sweep them away too often, we lose them altogether and we leave that wounded child in the wound, in all of that fresh pain being triggered over and over again, whether it's at the level of PTSD or just simply the ordinary triggering of unresolved issues in a contemporary life. So if we treat the sweeping, whether it's pharmaceutical or other natural energy medicine, um, whether it's meditation or some other form of desensitization, uh, de uh, desensitization, sorry, <laughs> that wasn't a word, um, of any form, you know, pharmaceutical, psychological, natural, whatever, um, deep, deep meditation. If we're simply sweeping away the breadcrumbs and we tell people this is a cure, we are actually lying to people and over time that person begins to feel wrong and impotent or shamed for not doing it right because the discomfort will keep coming back and that's on us as practitioners for implying that something that is not a cure but a coping mechanism um, is more than what it is. And in reality, the point is the person is actually right. They're not wrong. That their wounded child deserves to be engaged directly and brought out of that wounding. And desensitizing them is not a way to do that. So what do we do? 
um, I think what we do is we use what I consider immediate remedies. You know, we use these immediate remedies for what they are, acknowledge them as such, and use them as needed, use them judiciously. And then we need to also ask why. And we need to encourage the people who are in pain and suffering to have the courage to ask why. And to have sessions with them that take the time necessary to not only ask why, but to follow the path of that answer. And this is, to me, is the great value of shamanic work is because of the shamanic trance state, we can step out of the psychology, step out of time, step out of ordinary reality and, and follow the path of that answer in its most direct route because we're no longer bound by the laws of physics or the mind um, or time. So then given what we find when we ask why, um, the beauty of shamanic healing is this, the healing can either be offered or clear in clear uh, sort of parameters for what is needed that may not be shamanic um, but it can be defined like the remedy can be clearly defined and then the person can go seek that remedy Um, and so in last week's show we talked about um, when a healing is needed in the energy body when a healing is emotional clearing when the healing needed is a shadow self and how would you transform a shadow self shamanically and when the healing needed is soul loss because when we're talking about certainly when we're talking about PTSD but when we're talking about these chronic upset the same pattern that is upsetting again and again and again no matter how hard we work how much we heal we're usually talking about soul loss We're usually talking about either soul loss or shadow, unresolved shadow issues, or potentially ancestral healing. And so, um, the way you'll know that you are succeeding at getting to the answer to why versus just continuing to clear the upset, but actually getting at why and beginning to transform the wound there, the original wound there that answers the question of why do I keep getting upset in this way? Why do I keep manifesting the same pattern in my life? Why am I unable, based on all these ways I'm trying to heal, to heal this issue? We'll know that that's starting to work when the person who has been suffering starts to develop greater resiliency, not greater sensitivity right that that becoming more and more sensitive and and empathetic to the point where you can't function in the world is actually not a sign of greater health and consciousness so if you find that you are need um needing to control the world more then we're not actually getting at the root of the problem. But if you find you're needing to control the world less, that you're becoming more resilient, that you're ha- and you're having an easier time actually controlling yourself in the moment, then we're getting at the real root issue. We're getting to the, the wound that's at the answer to the question of why. So you'll know that you're starting to work at this level and not just getting out of the discomfort um, if you find yourself that, you're, that you stop rebelling and begin directing your incredible power and gifts towards something that matters deeply in your heart, not just rebelling against um, what keeps coming at you in the world, but actually able through a kind of resiliency to begin to direct your efforts at actually affecting change on the things that matter to you in the world. And you'll know that you're getting at the root of the actual wounds and transforming them when you begin to develop the resiliency to love more openly and more freely. In a sense, to trust the world more, to trust yourself more, to be able to show up more fully, to engage more deeply, to risk more intimacy in every day in a way that honors your own boundaries and those around you, that these are signs that those deep, that deep woundedness is beginning to transform and to heal. Another sign would be that, you know, helps you know that this is working is if you develop the resiliency to stop lying to yourself about what really matters to you. You stop lying about how much it matters what other people think. Stop reaching for outward solutions, 
but you de- you develop the resiliency to trust your own inner sense of yourself and what your heart truly believes in and throw in behind that in life and stop worrying about what other people will think um what your parents will think uh but actually care about what does your heart think about what you're doing so what is resiliency because you know for people that don't have it it's kind of a big mystery there's there are people that that are gifted with a certain degree now let me back up one more step let's face it humanity as a species is endowed with incredible resiliency and adaptability and that is the reason that we survive it's the reason that we have figured out how to live in many 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 different environments and it is the reason humans are still on the face of the planet given the awful the systematically awful ways human beings have treated each other for the last many thousands of years so resiliency is innate in human nature now with that said there are many people contemporary people that it, it's a mystery and so part of gaining resiliency is about um, cultivating something that is actually your nature as a human. Okay. But I'm just going to take a simple list that's, that's pretty middle road. This is out of psychology today. So I'm not being terribly radical. Um, but it's not a bad list. It's a, it's a real simple list. And so it's a list of 10 things. Okay, so one is that people who have cultivated resiliency, um, the qualities in the people who have cultivated resiliency are these are the kind of people that know their own boundaries and speak up for them, live, live within their own boundaries. They're willing to say, no, I can't do that tonight. Yes, I would be happy to do that. Um, They honor their own boundaries and because they honor their own boundaries and expect others to honor their boundaries, they are also willing to honor the boundaries of others. And so it sets up um, part of that resiliency is it means you, you trust and have the courage that if I manage my good boundaries, it will inspire others to do the same. And you just go with that. And, of course, not everybody will. Um, but there's enormous um, energy conserved by being willing to live within your own boundaries. And with that said, if you don't like your boundaries, you know, if you don't like where your limitations are, it is still important to honor them but also to notice um, I want to expand my own limitations So instead of overrunning my boundaries, I need to engage in a process of healing that will allow me to have um, bigger boundaries in a sense, you know, for lack of another way to explain it. So that's the other thing that's important, that if you don't like where your boundaries are, honestly, and they don't allow you to do what you really want to do in life, then you need to heal in such a way that you gain greater capacity. Don't just overrun your boundaries. Okay, and that's what one of the aspects of people that are resilient, they understand that. They understand how that works and how uh, what's necessary to gain greater capacity. Number two is um, people, one of the qualities of people who have cultivated resiliency is that they are very clear about keeping good company. And this is a very challenging thing for people who have allowed their most intimate relationships to turn into relationships that are not of good company. It doesn't mean they can't transform into that, but that's a real hard one. And so for people who want to cultivate resiliency, you need to organize your life so that you are able to keep good company. And number three on this list um, is that Uh, people who have cultivated resiliency have cultivated a quality of self-awareness, of accurate self-awareness through reflection and um, developing an inner felt sense of things. So it's not just a mental reflection because it's too easy to fool ourselves in kind of a house of mirrors in our own mind. But a quality of reflection that is um, tapping into an inner sense, um, not just of how I feel emotionally, but a felt sense of what's going on more energetically, like 
I feel the walls closing in. I feel a breath of fresh air. I feel the spontaneity of a new energy and I don't know where it's coming from. That kind of felt sense. So it's a kind of self-reflection that is not purely mental. But that is more, um, well, in, in the language of why shamanism now, that is engaging the four wisdom bodies. But the point of it is that, that a person has an ongoing, reasonably accurate sense of themselves based on the wisdom of their four wisdom bodies. Where they are physically, where they are emotionally, where they are mentally, and where they are spiritually. And they sort of know themselves from those perspectives. Okay, so cultivating resiliency, these um, people practice acceptance. They don't get into this whole unconditional love, um, I'm not going to judge anything, I love everything, um, which leads you usually to overrunning your boundaries and your limitations and not setting appropriate and healthy boundaries. Instead, they practice acceptance. And acceptance lives um, hand in hand with discernment. So acceptance is um, not about giving it all up to a higher power. Um, it's not about letting everything go and letting the stress take over. That acceptance is about leaning into the experience and the full range of emotions and accepting them all and trusting that we will bounce back if we accept an experience for what it is and engage in it and see it through, follow the path. Um, instead of saying, um, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not going to accept this for what it is. Acceptance is, um, an art and it's a cultivated attitude. It is not what we are mostly taught in school in America. I, I can't say that for other European countries, but it's certainly true in America. The other thing about people who have cultivated resiliency is that they are willing to sit in silence with themselves. That means, you know, turning off the music, turning off your computer, turning off your phone, you know, disconnecting and sitting in silence with yourself and not being afraid to be with who you are. Not being afraid to hear your inner voices and trusting that there will often be qualities that arise from within that are wounded selves that are not necessarily so lovely to be with, but that willingness to sit in silence with yourself and be with yourself, whoever you find inside, to be in acceptance and to cultivate a kind of self-awareness, you know, back to all of these qualities that are a person who has cultivated resilience. So... Back to the whole highly skilled wounded child. What I, what I see also in, in this person is someone who is highly skilled, who has endeavored, who has a, a broad skill set and has the ability in a sense to create what I would call a manufactured reality. It doesn't involve sitting with what they find and accepting it. Instead, it, evolve, it involves clearing the discomfort so that they can sit in a kind of manufactured peace. And, and once, I've, once I've cleared everything, then I can sit in silence with myself and practice self-awareness. And that's a very different thing than being willing to just sit in silence with yourself and be with what you find and accept what it is that you find and understand what needs to happen with it. So, so there's a quality of um, accepting discomfort that goes with people that are resilient. And understanding, I think, fundamental to discomfort is that pain doesn't kill you. Other things will, but not pain. And in many things we do to avoid pain actually will kill us. So, which is the irony of that. Anyway, um, moving on. So, in this list, there's a few more on the qualities of people who have cultivated resiliency is that they don't have to have all the answers. And they accept that as a matter of course. And they're not stressed out by that. Um, and in this acceptance of not having all the answers, they maintain an attitude of learning all the time. And this is an important piece from a shamanic perspective because it's a really fundal, fundamental aspect to living in Aini with your life is that ability to engage in your entire life as a path of mastery versus a path of accomplishment. 
And what I mean by that is in a, in a path of accomplishment, it's all about what's gotten done. What are the credentials? Whereas in a path of mastery, it's about learning. It's about always learning, continuing to deepen our understanding and our um, ability to apply that understanding in life. So it's not learning just for the sake of intellectual exercise, but a path of mastery is about the learning that it then can be applied in what it is that we are doing in life. And so this whole experience of not having all the answers is not greeted as this profoundly stressful thing, but it's something that I accept so that I can really open up to what the questions are and then allow the questions to help me then track what the answers to those questions might be and because I'm learning and that, that there is no shame in learning. I mean, I think if there's any valid shame in life, it's about making the same mistake over and over and over again, not learning anything. I mean, what a waste of resources. Anyway, getting off track. So again, another quality of people who have cultivated resiliency is that it, they engage daily in self-care and that they have multiple self-care um, modalities, dynamics, practices, whatever you want to call it, that that actually address self-care in all four of the wisdom bodies, physical self-care, emotional self-care, mental self-care, and spiritual self-care. And doesn't mean they necessarily do something for everything every day. Um, many of us find um, ways of self-care that help us to get at one or more of those, um, I mean two or more of those at once, just because we all still have only so many hours in the day. But the point is, Someone who has cultivated resiliency has also accepted wholeheartedly that a human being must engage in self-care if they expect to be well, well physically, well emotionally, and well mentally. There are far too many people that sit across from me in my healing space who want whatever change they want from the shaman, but they do nothing to maintain their own base level well-being in their life, not a damn thing. And what is really important to understand about people who have resiliency and the, and the ability to show up for what life offers them and potentially be the medicine is that these people practice self-care, period. And, and it's not begrudgingly. It's not because they have to. It's not because they've got to go to the gym. It's not because they want to fit into a size two. It's not because they want a six-pack abs. It's because they understand that human beings easily go towards their worst possible self and that it is only through practice that humans are able to cultivate um, their best possible self and that never in the history of humanity have humans thought they get to behave however they want to and get all the goodies in life and not actually practice some form of self-care to maintain their well-being. It's, it's absolutely insane aspect of contemporary American life that people think they should be able to have a deeply meaningful, rich, purposeful life and relationship and live their soul's purpose and not practice a lick of self-care. It isn't going to happen, people. And this is a big piece of people that have actually are no longer living out of their wounded child is they're no longer waiting for their life and everybody else to take care of them. But they have recognized that their self-care is their responsibility as an adult. And that it's not begrudging. It's not like, oh, I still wish I had someone else to do this for me. It's, it's a welcome responsibility because you love and cherish yourself. Anyway, moving on. Um, the other thing about people that are resilient is they have no illusions that they're going to do this alone. They have a network that supports them, again, in, in different ways, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. They have a network of people that support them, and they are not afraid to use that network. They are not the person that says, well, yeah, I have a pretty good support network, but, you know, I never really draw on it. I'm the one that takes care of everybody else. That is not a noble statement. That is a sign of someone who does not respect their limits and their boundaries. 
that people that are resilient and are balanced and respect their boundaries in life have a support network and they are not afraid to use it and they're not ashamed to use it. They use it freely and willingly. They receive support. They ask for support and they offer support in that network and that that is expected as a natural part of everyday life. It is not um, a way in which people actually control again control their life and it's one of the signs the really big signs of whether we are healing that deep wounded child or not is the degree to which we feel the need to control our world versus controlling ourselves and trusting our innate goodness and having the resiliency to simply be present in whatever the day has in store and deal with it and not control it not need to control it so anyway um Oh, the other thing about people that have cultivated resiliency is that they have a much expanded capacity to consider other possibilities and perspectives other than their own. And they, again, it's an aspect of maintaining that attitude of learning, that, that realization of, you know what, I don't know everything. And even the things that I do know are not necessarily the best and the only way to do things. That there may be many good ways to do things, many other possibilities. And one of the things about people that um, are resilient is they don't have one way things can be done. And that, again, back to people that need desperately to control their environment to feel they can survive in it because they're such a minefield of woundedness, right? And then the final thing is truly resilient people can get out of their head, when needed and tune into the other wisdom bodies without making a big dramatic deal out of it that they're able to move between the wisdoms and to value them and to use them and have access to them they're not simply stuck in their head trying to analyze their way through everything until they they fail so miserably they're forced to try some other means okay so those are basic qualities of someone who's resilient and these are not um dramatically um, non-ordinary. They're very ordinary, very ordinary qualities of a human being accessing those, the complement of qualities that allow someone to be resilient. Okay, so the root of resiliency. Recently, my attitude about this has changed to be honest, that my attitude before was that resiliency had everything to do with those or that a list like those ordinary things I just talked about and that it was fundamentally based in being willing to walk the journey necessary to heal the wounded child and that that's many journeys because there are many different ways usually that we carry deep woundedness from our childhood but that we're willing simply to do it, to show up, walk that journey be willing to be in some discomfort while that happens and get the job done so that basically we are operating here with a happy and healthy child archetype, learning those skills of resiliency and getting on with what we came here to do as an adult. That was my old way of thinking. I don't disagree with that, but what I've come to understand through shamanic work early in the last couple years and in that last couple years has been a definite upswing in how much ancestral healing I'm doing. So in working more with the dead, and in particular the dead that got stuck here when they died because their life was unresolved, and working with the living, what I have come to see is there is another quality at the root of people that are truly resilient when they are facing situations that are horrific. For example, the current situation in America between African-American people, particularly African-American youth, particularly African-American males, and our police system, that this is a horrific situation. And there have always been situations like this in time. And so I've seen this with the ancestors and I see this now with the living, that an aspect of the root of resiliency is having an actual relationship with spirit, a true spiritual life. And one of the main problems that I've seen as I get to the root of why XYZ has happened in some client's life, which is something tragic and traumatic, is that a person accepted the promise of their religion 
that it would be enough for them. And in these ever more challenging times, there was the realization that when they leaned in to the spiritual need and their, their spiritual need, they leaned into their religion for the support of that, and the religion had nothing to offer them. And they basically fell through into a hole and got lost. And so what I'm speaking to and, and understanding about the kind of resiliency that will allow us to be the medicine in our time and to face the storms, be they of our climate that is changing or the landscape in our cultures that are on fire. To be those people, we must be resilient. And the kind of resiliency necessary that I see is also cultivating a true working relationship with spirit. And this message has been showing up more and more in my sessions as the root of the cause of the problem the person or the dead have suffered, whether it's chronic, whether the problem is acute, whether the problem was fatal, that humans need a relationship with spirit, not a religion, but an actual, I am a human being and I trust and deeply know my own personal relationship with spirit, something larger than I am. And I mean a belief in something profoundly larger than you are into which you fit. So it doesn't really matter what that is. I mean, some people don't like so much the God thing and that's fine. Some people really feel themselves put into that place of that something larger than they are in the wonder and the beauty of nature. Others um, find themselves in the uh, leaning into a relationship with spirit that is much more, um, I don't know, energetic and scientific. I mean, if you really study the cutting edge of science, it's profoundly spiritual and weird. It's wonderful. It's, it is absolutely poking your head into the great mystery. Um, some really deeply relate to spirit beings, which is very much more of a shamanic way of doing it. But my point is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter whether you see it all in this life, you still need a relationship with spirit in this life or that something bigger than you thing, that you fit into something bigger than you, that is something larger here than you and humanity and all of its problems. Um, and then it can also work if you're the person that sees the tra trajectory of a soul through many lives. I mean, there are many, many ways to understand or conceive of your relationship with spirit. But what's important is that you do see yourself, you're not the largest thing in your world, that you see yourself actually as a very small thing and something much larger, but into which you are an essential but irrelevant part. You know, that paradox of being important but not too important. Um, so where humans have nothing to reach out to when life is horrible, when it is painful, when it is despairing, when it makes no sense, when they reach hard for that thing, they often break if there's nothing there. And the point is that's not the state of mind into which you can cultivate it, that we need to be cultivating it every day so that it's there for us when life is breaking us, when life does break us, that there is this spirit peace that holds us. And I'm, I'm not a particularly religious person at all, actually. And I don't feel shamanism as a religion. But I do see how an engaged, um, active belief that um, there is more going on here than I can entirely grasp helps. I mean, when I can just say, okay, what is going on is intolerable and unacceptable and I don't understand it. And I can step back and say, and there's more to this than I can see. There's more here which will allow some solution to happen. It doesn't mean I step back and do nothing and just surrender and say, the world is as it should be and do nothing. It means I can step back into that larger understanding of things so that I can not break, so that I can be resilient and I can continue to endeavor to be part of the answer, part of a solution, part of the medicine, however you think about that. So I recently 
saw this so profoundly. I was doing an ancestral healing um, with a client. And the ancestral healing is interesting because obviously you're always coming upon places where people are completely stuck and they can see no other solution. That's why they're still stuck here. Um, but as you work with spirit and your own ancestral helping spirits, you can see how things could change, where the fork of the road is, where they could have done something different. You can see um, how things um, can get some life and some light into the decisions that were made to look at other decisions that could have been made and to allow things to begin to move, um, awarenesses to change. And what you're basically doing is kickstarting the dead person's ability to reconcile their life. Once they lift out of the stuck place they're in, you can cross them over to where they will reconcile their whole life and the clearing process begins. Okay. So I was doing this clearing process and in the story there was a man, there was his wife, and then they had a daughter. And what was so interesting to me about this clearing process with these three people is the husband and the wife were absolutely broken people. These are, these are dead ancestors long ago, but they were, they were broken, absolutely broken by life. And there was nothing that could be done by spirit or by their child, the daughter that they had, or other helping spirits, their own ancestors, their own mothers and fathers. No matter who we brought in, no matter what help we brought forward, these two people were broken. And I mean, time's running out in this session and this thing is just not moving. I can feel that it is not going to shift. And I had never experienced that before. And I'm thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm not asking the right questions. And that's not the right question to ask. The issue is, you know, how does this make sense? What is going on? And finally, what I came to understand is that these two people, yes, they had lived horrible lives, but they also had not cultivated any relationship with spirit so as their lives got horrible and began to break them they had nothing to fall back on they had nothing to hold them in that time i mean think about nelson mandela or martin luther king jr these people where life did everything it could to break them humanity did everything they could to break them but they didn't break because they had a spiritual life so anyway this man and this woman had nothing they didn't believe in anything beyond themselves. And then when life turned shitty, really shitty, it broke them. And there was nothing we could do to change that. And that was part of this message, part of this message for this show here today, is how important it is for human beings not only to have that system of self-care, but to actually have that system of caring for your relationship with this bigger system going on here. What I often call on the radio show a relationship with the real energies. That there is part of you that is not lost in your culture. That is not lost in the everydayness of life. But part of you that is maintaining a relationship with that which is more real. That which endures lifetime to lifetime if you believe in many lifetimes, that which is eternal and that you cultivate a relationship with those energies that nourishes and sustains the quality of your own soul in your life, your own spirit in your life so that these energies are able to be strong in those moments where life breaks you. Because if you're paying attention Life most likely will. These are not easy times. And these are not the only hard times there have ever been. But these are not easy times. There's a lot going on that is really hard to live with. But the issue is we don't just say things are as they should be. Everything is perfect. And give it over to God. It's not God's job. The horrific acts of human beings right now on the planet is humanity's job to fix. But we're only going to fix it instead of just making another new version of the same problem if we do so with spirit. If we co-create that solution. And we can only do that if we actually have a relationship with spirit. So having an active relationship with that which is eternal, that which is non-ordinary, that which is here, present in everyday life. It's not paranormal. 
it's normal but it's not it's non-ordinary it exists outside of time and it supports you when nothing else will can or does but only if you already have a relationship with it so that was part of the many messages in this ancestral healing which we did finally figure out how to resolve by the way but that was a big piece and it is the recognition of how truly people can be broken if they have neglected the fact of their soul the presence of spirit here in the world and the cultivation of that relationship Another example of this was a very overtly religious person who really believed in the promise of their religion at its face value that this was all that you need. If you just practice in this way, you pray in this way, you, you, you follow this protocol, that you will have all that you need as a human to face the challenges of your life. And he didn't. He didn't have all that he needed. And instead of saying, hey, this isn't all that I need and reaching for more, he stayed within the promise of the religion, assumed he was the one who wasn't doing it right, and thus broke and died. And so it is important for us to back to the resiliency to be able to say, hey, this isn't all that I need. This isn't working. And to, and to be self-aware about that and choose to reach beyond the limits of... Um, the limitations of what you've been given and see that there's more going on here that you don't have all the answers but there are other answers out there that's what resiliency allows us to do so the most common example that I see is wanting a quality of health in life and not maintaining the practices to um, engage in that spiritually. But these are all just examples of not recognizing how cultivating relationship with spirit is a piece of the balance and the health in a human being. Um, And the important thing for all of us to recognize, myself included, I remind myself this of me, remind myself of this regularly is whatever you do every day is your practice. And so resiliency is about really noticing what is your practice. And if it's not adding up to what you want, you need to change your practice. You need to change what you're doing every day. So the other piece in this is faith. And so when I look at the list of these qualities of people who have cultivated resiliency, I see that seven out of ten of those require faith. And I don't mean faith in a religion. I don't mean faith in God. I don't mean faith defined narrowly through that religious sense. I simply mean the capacity to experience faith, to not know and step forward anyway. In the cycle teachings, faith is one of the four life processes of the healer, which means it's a big deal. But it also means it's a process human beings are in regularly in our life. That faith must be cultivated. Because I'm not talking about the blind faith of your childhood. But the faith that arises after you have your first crisis of faith. And that you um, are in this fragile, empty place of no faith. Because that everything you got handed as a child, you realize isn't good enough. And it's broken. And what's important is that place that you get to when you rediscover your own true native faith, that which is indigenous to you. And this is the faith that matters. And that is the faith that will not abandon you. If you are growing and changing and on a path of mastery, you'll break it a hundred more times. But it will never be the same as the blind faith being broken. And it is the faith that will not abandon you when you are alone and holding on to a thin thread. Because it is the faith that will help you to let go when you need to let go of that thread. It is the faith that will help you to hold on when that thread is what you must hold on to. And it is that faith and its resonance in your physical body that will help you to know which moment you are actually in a moment of letting go or a moment of holding on and letting everything else fall away and that is the place 
of true native indigenous faith in the life and at the root of resiliency in a human. So I'd like to give enormous gratitude to the helping spirits um, because without their help, I wouldn't really have anything useful to say at all. And I would be a very boring person. So I am deeply grateful for the helping spirits and they, particularly the ancestral energies that gather around the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Um, again, I want to acknowledge that there are, as the summer retreat schedule winds down, there will be fall classes here in Portland. The energy clearing class is happening in September. Um, it's already filling up, so if you want to do that, you need to register now. There's a new basic journeying class October 1st. Um, same thing, small class, filling up. And another healing the ancestral lines class in October. And that is for people that are experienced in their journeying or their own shamanic practice. And we are also already taking registrations for next year's Mask Evolution. You can do all of this through the website. Um, so, everyone, have a good week. 